we rejoice in you. You are worthy. Worthy of our praise. Worthy of our worship. Jesus, you are our living hope, the one who has set us free from the power of sin and death. You are the one who makes us our father's children. We rejoice in you. We celebrate you. We thank you for the privilege of worshiping you this morning. Open our eyes and ears that we would hear what you would have to say to us through your word as we rejoice and reflect on the fact that we belong to you. In the name of our Savior, the one who is the worthy one, our Lord Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said together, amen, amen. Before you are seated, if you have a Bible, um, if you would open to the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verses 4 through 10, and as uh, we would look into that, the children at this time from, kinder, or from yeah, kindergarten to sixth grade would be dismissed for Children's Church with Miss Diana this morning. And Miss Rachel, let me bless the children as they go. Invite you to follow along um, as I would read from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. Peter writes, As you come to him, the living stone, this is speaking of Jesus, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. The chunk of our message this morning will be in these next two verses, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. May the Lord add his blessing this morning to the reading of his word. Appreciate you standing. You may be seated at this time. Thank you both to Derek for sharing his testimony, which as the Lord so guides and leads, goes very well with this morning's message. So we praise the Lord for that. And uh, thank you so much for uh, Isabel leading this morning. Thank you for following the Lord as uh, you led us into his presence in worship, enabled us to lift up praises and worship to him through song. And so um, with all of that leading us uh, into his presence, we continue to turn our eyes to him and to his word as we look today in our 40 days of prayer last week, we talked about wake up. The theme for 40 days of prayer this year is now. And so wake up now was one of those. We may have to skip through these. So wake up now. This past week, the theme, though we're not preaching on it today, pray now. Today we're looking at the topic, his now. 
then worship now, family now, and evangelize now over these next weeks. So today we talk about the concept of his now, his now. And uh, this message this morning is adapted from an outline by Charles Amo. And we're grateful for uh, this opportunity to be able to follow along with what God uh, is speaking to our larger Alliance family in this way. So one of those great icebreaker questions that is often used in groups is this. If your house was on fire and you could only grab one possession, what would you take? Now, first of all, I want to know who in the world came up with that question. I mean, it's a great question because it helps people to be able to get to know one another of what are the valuable things that are in your life? What are the things that, that you really cherish and hold on to? You can learn a lot from somebody about somebody by the things that they would count as valuable as possessions in their lives. But I sometimes wonder who came up with that question. That's a pretty, pretty horrible situation to have to go through. But inevitably, whenever you're in a group and that question is asked, there's always one person that just overanalyzes the thing to death, right? There's the person who asks, well, is my family in the house at the same time? And then the group leader has to go, yeah, I guess your family has to be here and is in the house with you at the same time. All right. Do I have to choose between my spouse and my kids? I guess so, yeah. And then you have to, they start to think, okay, if I choose between my spouse and my kids and I choose my kids, I've got four kids. Which one of four kids do I choose? How do you go through that? And then you have those people who are saying, well, I got my pets. Do, I, do they count? Do the pets are going to be able to get out on their own or my family get on my own? And then, you know, there's a person who then asks, well, how about my important documents? Do I have a fireproof safe in my house so that these are, those are going to survive? Because if not, I'm going to have to run after those. There's a people who just overanalyze those things to death. But they're the people who are really processing it, who are really trying to figure out what are the things that are most valuable in my life. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 2, Moses is talking to the people and it's in the midst of all these laws of holiness and the things they are to do, the things they are not to do, to be able to be different, to be able to be the set-apart people, Israel, from everyone else around them. And in the midst of them, Moses gives them from the Lord why they are to do these things. Not just the what, but the why. And the reason is, because you are a people holy, set apart to the Lord your God. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. Some translations would say you're his precious possession. It applies and was spoken to Israel, but Praise the Lord through Jesus, it applies to us today as well. That just as God chose Israel, he has chosen us to be, if you have received Jesus, to be his treasured possession, that you are his now. That's the big idea this morning, that you as a believer in Jesus are his treasured possession right now because of Jesus 
and because of his work on the cross. That reality settles every question. As Derek was talking about identity, that reality settles identity. It settles the issue of my value, my worth, my belonging, and it brings all other identities under that most important identity that you are his now. His treasured possession. You are a people belonging to God. There are sermon notes in your bulletin that will have some fill-in spots if you're a note taker and a few other notes that you can put on uh, that you can write through as well. But we want to walk through this idea of understanding that we belong to Jesus. You are his now. To be able to understand this, though, we need to understand the bad news first. And so the bad news is really twofold in this passage. The, the bad news, if we can click to the probably two slides through, or first one, the bad news is that you once were not a people. Once you were not a people. Verse 10, once you were not a people. Why, according to the scriptures, were you once not a people? The scriptures are clear. You were not a people because of sin that sin disqualifies and separates us from God. See, before Christ, your sin disqualified you because a qualification for being in the family of God, of being part of his kingdom, is purity and sinlessness. God is sinless, he is pure, he is holy, and because he is, he demands that we are as well. The realities of the scriptures and the bad news for all of us is that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. There's not one of us on the face of the earth, even the best person that you could ever think of, that does not fit in this place of all have sinned. There is no one who is righteous. No, not one of us. Therefore, we are all disqualified from being in the family of God. Not only does our sin disqualify us, but it also separates us from God, unless and until we have faith in Jesus and his death and his resurrection, because God cannot accept sin. We are separated. There is a chasm. We sang about it. There was this chasm that separated us from God this morning, which is why we need Jesus, our living hope. The bad news is once you were not a people, because sin disqualifies and separates us from God. There's a story in the Old Testament of a prophet, a man named Hosea. There's a whole book about him. We'll look through some of his story, the early part today. And in Hosea chapter one, we want to kind of process through this message this morning, Hosea, his wife Gomer, and their children. In Hosea chapter 1, verses 2 through 9, Peter, as he writes to most likely largely Jewish believers, 1 Peter, he has most likely in mind the history of Israel. Once the treasured possession of God, Deuteronomy 14.2 that we read, their idolatry, their worship of other gods brought the discipline, the judgment of God upon them. And so to illustrate this, God tells Hosea this. 
In Hosea chapter 1, starting in verse 2, it says, When the Lord God began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, take to yourself an adulteress, some translations and probably the sense is that she was a prostitute. Some go take for yourself this adulterous prostitute woman as your wife and have children with her, children of unfaithfulness, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery and departing from God. So think about this. Talk about a raw deal for a prophet of God. <laughs> Here's a guy who is devoted to the Lord who is doing everything according to the ways of God that he can. Whenever he does sin, he offers the sacrifices to be able to purify himself, to stay in a good relationship and a good standing so that he remains qualified and in relationship, not separated from God according to the standards that God had given out. And here is this man, and God tells him, go find and take a prostitute, an adulterous woman, to be your wife. Because God wanted to convey a message. A message not just through word, but a message through illustration and application. And so God tells Hosea, go take this woman, this adulterous woman, as your wife. As the story continues, so he goes in obedience and he marries Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and she bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel. God had, been, had told Jehu, you are going to be the king, second king's uh, has this account. And so God tells him, you are going to be king and I want you to go and to purify the land of Israel, King Ahab, Jezebel, all the Baal idol worship. I want you to purify the land of the evil that is in it, the idolatry that is in it, he tells Jehu. But Jehu in his zeal goes beyond and is more violent, does more than what God had asked. And so because of this, the massacre at Jezreel, there is this negative sense to this name Jezreel, which can mean punishment. How would you like to be a child whose name was punishment? And I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel, and in that day, I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. The passage continues. Gomer conceived again, and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call her Lo-Ruhamah. Lo-Ruhamah means not loved. For I will no longer show love to the house of Israel, that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to the house of Judah, Israel, the northern kingdom, Northern and southern kingdoms had split in civil war, Israel to the north, Judah to the south. Yet I will show love to the house of Judah, the southern kingdom, and I will save them not by bow, sword, or, or battle, but by, or by horses and horsemen, but by the Lord their God. Second child, Lo-Ruhamah. After she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, Gomer had another son. 
Then the Lord said, call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. Quite a story. Hosea, in obedience, marries this woman. And their three children, Jezreel, to show God's punishment, Lo-Rahama, to show he will no longer show love to Israel, and Lo-Ami, to show they were no longer God's people. All of this as a result of Gomer's sin and Gomer's unfaithfulness. Her son would not be acknowledged by God as his people. All of this was to show that Israel's sin and unfaithfulness led to separation between the nation of Israel and God. And Peter hearkens back to this concept and he says, once you were not a people from the treasured possession of God due to your sin and unfaithfulness, once you were not a people, sin disqualifies and separates us. This is bad news. The bad news continues in the second half of 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, when it says, not only was once you were not a people, but also, secondly, once you had not received mercy, once you received none of God's mercy, once you received none of God's mercy. As sin disqualifies us and separates us from God so that we are not a people belonging to him, so that we are not his now, Sin also keeps us from God's mercy. Sin keeps us from God's mercy. Without Christ, we do not receive the mercy and compassion from God. And we are held accountable for our sin and for the judgment that comes from it. The result of sin not only disqualifies and separates us so that we are not a people of God, but it also keeps us from receiving the mercy of God. It's bad news. If you go back to the story of Hosea and Gomer and their children, God withholds showing mercy and continued compassion to Gomer's daughter. Scripture say in verses 6 through 7 again, Gomer conceived and gave birth to a daughter, and the Lord said to Hosea, Call her Lo Rahama, for I will no longer show love to the house of Israel that I should at all forgive them. Because of the unfaithfulness of Gomer, her daughter would not be loved. Mercy, mercy is an expression of the love of God. If you think about the attributes of God, many theologians group them as holy and love. And all the other attributes of God fall in those two categories. And so if we were to say, where does mercy come? Mercy would fall under the love of God. And so mercy and compassion begin to be an expression of the love of God. And so for Lo-Rohama, as a representative and an illustration of the people of Israel due to their sin and unfaithfulness, is in this identity of not loved, not receiving the mercy 
of God. And so Peter picks up on this theme. Once you were not a people, Loami, once you did not receive the love and the mercy of God, Lorahama, this is who you once were due to the sin and unfaithfulness of our lives. Our sin keeps us from experiencing God's love and his expression of mercy and continued compassion in our lives. I don't know about you, but that is bad news. Once you were not a people, once you had received none of the mercy of God, understanding how amazing it is that our identity can be his now is only really comprehended when we understand how bad the news is without him because of our sin. That we once were not a people. Once were without the mercy of God. But here is the good news. Anybody want good news? Anybody want good news? Yeah, okay, good news. All right, let's go good news. Here's the good news. Now you are the people of God and have received his mercy. Now you are the people of God and have received his mercy. How does that take place? Well, we become his now, becoming the people of God and receiving his mercy because of the work of Jesus. Verses four through eight, just want to read it through one more time and summarize it for us quickly. As you come to him, here is the reality. We have to come to Jesus. We come to him in faith. We come to him in repentance. We come to him crying out and acknowledging without you, And because of our sin and our unfaithfulness to you, God, I am not part of your family. I am in the not a people. I come to you and I am, because of my sin and my unfaithfulness to you, God, I am not loved by you. I am not one who has received your mercy. And so we come to him acknowledging this, that though he was rejected by men, he's chosen by God. And precious to him. You see, as Jesus was God's intention and God's means as the Son of God to be the one to bring us back so that we might be the people of God to receive his mercy. He is the one who is the precious cornerstone that is mentioned in verse 6. He is the one that as we trust in him, verse six, we will never be, sh- be put to shame. He is the one that for those who believe, verse seven, the stone the builders rejected has become that capstone, that center stone, and the stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Jesus is the one who brings us back to God. He is the one who allows us to become the people of God, who allows us to receive his mercy. If we come to him, deciding not to stumble over him, if we come putting our faith in him, if we come 
repenting of our sins and having our faith in his shed blood on the cross, we are able to be made right with God again. And though we were once disqualified, and though we were once separated, we are now brought in, and we are made qualified for the family of God through Jesus. Once we were not a people, now we are the people of God where once we did not receive the love and the mercy of God, now we receive the love and the mercy of God through Jesus. Jesus makes us his. So glad that Derek shared that part of his story today because it's a practical story of how he recognized how he was far from God, but how the identity that Jesus gave to him, that he makes us his. Not only does he make us his, but he gives us identity and purpose. Verses nine through 10, listen to all these words of identity. But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy set apart, pure nation. You are a people who belongs to God. That's identity, chosen, royal priesthood, holy nation, belonging to God. You are in Christ, his treasured possession. It's your identity. And you're given a purpose, you're given a job, and that purpose is that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We are given the job of praising and declaring the one who rescued us from darkness and brought us into his light. That's why it's so, should be the natural response of the people of God to worship him, to praise him, because that is now our purpose we have been given this purpose of a, out of our identity that we would declare the praises of him who brought us out of darkness and into his wonderful light through worship and praise. Let's go back one more time to Hosea, Gomer, and their children. And this time, because there's quite a bit and because this part is so good, I want you to turn to Hosea with me. If you were to find Psalms in about the middle of the Bible and then start making your way towards the back, you'll go past books like Proverbs and Song of Song, Ecclesiastes, and you're going to come to a couple big books. Isaiah is one of the first big books. The second big book is Jeremiah, and then you'll come to a third big book, Ezekiel. Right after Ezekiel is Daniel, and then after Daniel, right after that is Hosea. Hosea chapter 1, verses 10 through 11. Would you agree with me that a lot of those, that first part, what we had on the screen, the first two parts of the story was bad news. Here is good news in the story of Hosea, Gomer, and their children. Right after saying all about Jezreel, Lo-Rohama, and Lo-Ami, it says in verse 10 of chapter 1, yet. That's a great word in the midst of bad news. Yet. 
Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the, sh- on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will be reunited. Remember, they were in civil war. It was a northern kingdom. It was a southern kingdom. They will be reunited. And they will appoint one leader. And they will come up out of the land. For great will be the day of Jezreel. Remember, Jezreel was the day of punishment. But there's a double meaning to Jezreel. Jezreel also means to sow or to plant. To sow seeds, to plant seeds. If you look at chapter 2, verses 14 through 23, this is what God says he will do. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. And when he's speaking of her, he's speaking of the nation of Israel. I am now going to allure her. I'll lead her into the desert and I will speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor, which means trouble. So the valley of trouble a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the Baals, and the Baals were the idols that they were worshiping from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant, a promise that is binding for them with the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the creatures that move along the ground. Bow and sword and battle I will abolish from the land so that all will lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in or with righteousness and justice, in or with love and compassion. I will betroth you with faithfulness and you will acknowledge the Lord. Listen to these last three verses. In that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies and they will respond to the earth and the earth will respond to the grain and new wine, the new wine and oil, they will respond to Jezreel. Remember, punishment? It is now a redemptive name, a name for sowing and planting. I will plant her for myself in the land, and I will show my love to the one called, not my loved one, Lo Rahama. And I will call those called, not my people, Lo Ami, You are my people, and they will say, you are my God. This is a story of Israel. This is what God is yet to do in bringing his people back to himself. That at the end of all days, there will be a restoration of his people back to himself. It's Israel's story. Until then... (laughs) It's our story. That once you were not a people, once you were not loved, 
Once you did not know mercy. Once you were under the punishment, the discipline of God. But now, where punishment was, I'm planting new things. Where once you did not receive my love and my mercy, now I pour out my love. And with it, all the love and mercy and grace and compassion and kindness and goodness upon you. And once where you were not a people, now you are my people. And all of it is because of Jesus. That one leader, that one leader that they will make, their leader is him. And today we rejoice and we celebrate the one who is our leader, who is our head, who is our Lord, who is our master, the one who we sang about as our living hope together today, the one who we sang about as is worthy of it all, the one who has broken the chains and forgiven our sins, the Lord Jesus. He's the one that we make our everything. He's the one who makes us his now. And he's the one we find our identity in. You may have heard me tell this story, but I just love it, so I'm going to tell it again. It's a story of a little boy. And that little boy, with his dad, made a boat. They worked hard on that and father-son project. They built that boat together, and it was finally time for that boat to make its maiden voyage. So father and son took it down to the river, put it in, and it floated real well. They were so excited. But just as it was in their celebratory moment, a big gust of wind came, and down the river that boat goes. And they start running down the bank of the river, and it starts getting carried out more into the middle of the river and down, and it keeps going and going, and they're running, they're trying to keep up with it, going along the banks of the river, dodging the trees, all of these things, until finally it was out of sight, gone. And the boy collapsed in tears. This boat that he loved so much, that he worked so hard on, he had lost his boat. Sometime later, a little boy was walking down the sidewalk in his town and walked past the local toy store. And as he walked by that little toy store, there in the window was a boat that looked exactly like his boat. And he was so excited, he ran in and he looked at it. And he said, that's my boat. Somebody had found it and took it to the toy store and the toy store was selling that boat. And he ran up to the man who owned the toy store and he said, that's my boat, that's my boat, that's my boat. Can I have my boat? He's like, it's my boat right now but I'll sell it to you. So the little boy asked how much it cost and found out how much it cost and he ran home as fast as he could. He smashed his piggy bank. He counted his money out and it was just enough. He ran back as fast as he could back to that toy store with all the dollar bills and the pennies and the nickels and the quarter. He throws it all on the counter and says, is this enough? And the man counts it out and the store owner counts it out. says, yes, it is. And he took his boat And as he walked out of the store, with all the joy of having his boat back, he said, once I made you, now I bought you. You are mine. That's what Jesus and the Father have done.
He's made us. But our sin and our unfaithfulness to him have caused us to not be part of his family, to not be his people, to not receive the love and mercy of God. But when we come to him in faith and repentance, in faith believing that what he did on the cross counts to pay for our sin, that his death and his resurrection brings us to a place where we are now able to receive the love of God and the mercy of God. Now, the one who made us, bought us through the blood of his son, Jesus. Once you were not a people, once you did not know the mercy of God, but now through Christ, you are a people, the people of God. Once you did not know the love and mercy, now you know the mercy of God. You are his now. That's good news, isn't it? I would venture to guess that's the best news you could ever hear. And you know, when we understand that news and we respond to that news, it sets every other identity as secondary. When we know that we are his now, every other identity loses its power. And so whether that identity is a national identity or a political identity or a racial identity or a sexual or gender identity or a shame identity or whether it's a sports identity because you're a Steeler fan. (laughs) Whatever it is, whatever that identity is, it becomes secondary and falls away under our chief identity, that you are his now. So as we close, we want to just celebrate that for a moment. But I also just want to make sure that every single person has had an opportunity to come to Jesus. Because you may be listening and saying, you know what, I'm not sure that I am one of the people of God. I'm not sure that I have received the love and the mercy of God. And if there is any doubt, any question, I want for you to be his now and forever. And so if that's you, I'm just going to just lead you in a prayer. It's not some magic prayer. It's not some formula, but it's just basically saying, I recognize because of my sin and unfaithfulness to you, I am not one of your people. I have not received your mercy, but I believe that Jesus, that Jesus on the cross paid the price of my sin and my faith is in him and his death and his resurrection so that I can become one of your people, one of yours, to receive your love and mercy. So let me just lead you in that prayer. And maybe you've already settled this with God. You can just use this moment to just rejoice and to celebrate that you are his now. So let's pray. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you make it possible to belong 
to God. And so if there is anyone who would say, I have never come to Jesus in that way. Even just in your own words, you can pray something similar to this. Oh God, I know that my sin and my unfaithfulness to you have kept me from your family, have separated me from you, that I am not one of yours. I acknowledge that. But I know and I understand that Jesus is your way to make that bad news into good news. I want to be yours. And so I trust in Jesus and his work on the cross, his death and his resurrection to pay for my sin. And I want you to be the leader of my life. I want you to set my identity. I want to be one of your people, one of your children. I receive your love and your mercy through Jesus. And so, Father, even as that prayer may be prayed, we celebrate the fact that you have done all the work to make us belong to you. We celebrate that. We celebrate you. We rejoice and you, we worship in the new identity that you have given to us. You are so good. You are so faithful to us. We love you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said together.